asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are discussing fake free tax filing, radical sabbaticals, and 24-7 stonk trading. Radical sabbatical is just fun to say, isn't it? (laughs) It's. I'm so glad we used that. Uh, I was going to say something about stock trading, but I'm going to scrap that though and just like stick with radical sabbatical because that is incredibly fun. I want everybody at home to say it with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things. But yeah, no, this is our Friday flight. We are going to talk about those topics as well as several other stories, different headlines that we've come across this week that are going to impact your finances. That's right. Before we get to that, Matt, I wanted to mention there was uh, somebody in the Facebook group mentioned just last week that, hey, Joel, you had mentioned AAA as being like a lifesaver recently for you, but I have a better tip. And uh, this person went on to suggest, they said, well, get that coverage through your car insurance company instead. Okay. And and so it sounds good, right? She said that she's paying $14 a year. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Was there a discount? So it's a lot Uh, cheaper, yeah. Okay. Yep. But there's a problem with that. So I went on to explain in there and a lot of people were like, mind blown. I had no idea this existed. So I was like, well, I guess we should, we should tell everybody because not everybody is in the how to money Facebook group. But the, the main thing here is if you have this coverage through your insurance company and you use it, 
<laughs> you're going to get docked, basically. Does it, tr- does it get treated like you actually using your insurance? Exactly. Mm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, so if you, like a problem. if you say, oh, hey, can you come help me fix a flat? Or, hey, can you give me a tow? Insurance company, State Farm, Liberty Mutual, whoever you're with. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't, it, it seems like it doesn't cost you anything. But in actuality, this claim, this counts as a claim and it goes on your clue report. Ooh, it counts the same. It actually goes on to your clue report. As like, I just had a fire <laughs> on my house and I had to file a claim for $50,000. It has mm-hmm. a very similar weighting on your clue report. And so this could prevent you from being able to switch insurers in the near future. So this could be something that is cheap, not frugal. It seems like, oh, it costs a whole lot less for this coverage. But then when you use it, it could be just this massive ding against you, yeah. preventing you from being able to save money and switch uh, insurers in the future. That would suck. Yeah, the insurance, are, they're, they're being a little more sneaky by recording that uh, and they're holding that against you. Yeah, I don't and, like that. And it's not really easy to find out that information. It's one of those things that's actually really opaque and yeah. it's there's you not even like... find an, out on the back end of things. Exactly. Like, oh, we see here that you had a claim. It's like, I didn't file a claim. Right. It's like, oh, well, you you, you got AAA. that tell that one time. And, yeah. It's like, son of a... Well, no, you that's wouldn't have done that. AAA you... is the way to go, actually. Right. AAA costs a little bit more every year, something like 70 bucks a year, but so it's like, well, I'm going to save 50 bucks and go with the stuff through my insurance company. But so it in, wasn't in reality, act, it wasn't actually AAA that was being offered through the insurer. It was no. like, a, like a private exactly. version the of The insurer's AAA. own version of AAA. Gotcha. See, you know, I don't know these things because I personally like to take the, the, the routes of self-insuring because honestly if you think about it what is AAA they have done a fantastic job creating this aura around them as as like this company and they show up and they rescue you on the side of the road but really it is a lot like insurance and oftentimes when it comes to some of the more obscure insurances that are out there right like like pet insurance or income replacement insurance like what we would say is no don't sign up for all these different types of insurance instead self-insure by making sure you just have a, a fully stocked More emergency fund that's right yeah uh, and so i mean like these companies wouldn't exist if they weren't making money <laughs> right like the, the reason they're in business is because they're actually making money uh and so obviously some insurances are very necessary right because if something were to happen like a you know you get a car wreck or life insurance like these are all things that could set you back tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, but when it comes to maybe some of these smaller ones I personally at least would would recommend for folks to maybe just beef up that emergency fund a little bit bump yep. it up from four months of uh, living expenses go ahead and take it up to five months or six months at least in this one area of my life I like to keep it simple yeah a lot of other no, areas I... I like to overcomplicate it <laughs> <laughs> but in this one area I like to keep things very basic I think that makes a lot of sense but uh, to everybody out there who's who's listening and if you're like i've got the coverage through my insurance company it costs a whole lot less i'm being smart well just know yeah you got the coverage that's cheaper but it's coverage you should never use because in all likelihood it's going to raise your premiums mm-hmm. or it's going to prevent you from switching insurers in the future that's a great tip yeah so all right that's let's move on though matt let's get to the friday flight and the sampling of stories we found interesting this week first off let's talk about housing and uh the, the associated press just ran an article about ADUs, which are accessory dwelling units, one of my favorite things to talk about. And basically, it's it's building a tiny home on your property. Yep. You know, you and I, we've been fans of that for years. They're so cute. <laughs> They're adorable, <laughs> and they can provide a nice stream of income for you and for your family. And so, I love the idea of building a tiny house in your yard and making a little bit of money every month, and you know, lowering your overall cost of housing. But building codes in lots of cities have meant that it's more difficult than it should be to build one on your property. You know, one of my favorite parts of the article, they actually talked to a family who built uh, one of these ADUs. They decided actually 
not just to rent out the smaller ADU, uh, but to live in the ADU themselves and rent out their bigger house. And so, nice. yeah, this is this is uh, one of the <laughs> a way to crush your housing costs in a big way if you do that. That's just a, a killer house hack, um, massively lowering the amount of money you're dedicating yeah. towards housing they every just, single month. They just took it up another whole other notch. It's R- like you thought uh, that we're going to just make a little bit extra. That's it's right. Like, oh no no no, uh, we're actually going to be making a ton more. Exactly, I and it that. obviously doesn't make sense for everybody. Let's say you got three or four kids running around like like Matt or I living in five six hundred square feet. Um, is uh, a recipe for disaster. A lot more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's one of those things. If ADUs are, uh, if you can build one and you've got a lot that it makes sense, then it's it's something worth considering. Yeah, we, we think ADUs solve, I mean, specifically one of the biggest problems that we face as a country, which is creating more affordable homes by increasing the, the supply, by increasing the inventory. Home price increases of 20% a year <laughs> is not sustainable. That's basically what we saw nationwide over the past 12 months. Uh, but the number one thing that will stop housing from increasing in price is going to be more density, greater access to affordable housing. Uh, and so this means home builders uh, ramping things up, which is happening. New residential construction, it's shot up from recent years, but it doesn't appear that we're at levels that's necessary to satisfy the demand. Uh, according to data from the U.S. Census, we're seeing roughly the same number of new permits being issued now for, for new builds, for new constructions that we saw back in 2003. And so we definitely have seen increases, but uh, it does not seem like we're at levels that we need to be in order to provide enough housing for folks. It, plus, all the while, the U.S. has grown in population by 40 million people wow. within that same time period since 2003. Uh, it is insane. But we would also love to see more cities and more towns uh, making it easier to build an accessory dwelling unit. Or actually in some towns or cities, they call them ALUs, I think. Uh, accessory, accessory living. Living, yeah. Yeah, yeah living units. Uh, but we want to see more towns, more cities making that easier to do within your own backyard. If you're wondering... Uh, what the local laws are, where it is that you live, and you're not totally sure, you can check out accessorydwellings.org. They've got a great resource there for you to check that out. Yeah, we'll make sure to put that link in the show notes. And another interesting trend that we read about this week, Matt, is is the rise of multi-generational households. And I didn't realize this, but nearly one in five of the U.S. population now lives in a multi-generational house. Yeah, that's, which, it was way higher than I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking like 7 8%, but it, no, fully 20% mm-hmm. of folks are, are living in some sort of multi-generational setup. And financial concerns and caregiving needs are the top two reasons cited for these reasons. Typically, that's financial uh, concerns of a young person going back to live uh, a young person who who is you know a fully grown adult going back to live at home mm-hmm. or caregiving needs where a fully grown uh, adult who's in the workforce is now bringing in an aging parent to live with them and so this is kind of a double edged sword right you know multi generational households are, are great in a lot of ways i've got i've got some friends matt who they purposely bought a bigger house in order to live comfortably under one roof with their in-laws they've got uh, their third kid on the way and so this as a lifestyle choice for them has been has been a great move i think the way we talk about it typically in in the culture is that that's an abnormal choice like that's a weird thing to do right but i think maybe we should kind of change the conversation around that because i think multi-generational housing can be a good choice for for a lot of folks and and specifically with the reality of skyrocketing rents and home prices soaring um it's 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 forced some people into a situation maybe they'd prefer not to be and it's not always done out of uh pure choice so mm-hmm. much of it is a an economic hardship reason um, but i think it is one of those things where multi-generational housing is something that's on the comeback and i do think in a lot of ways that's actually not a bad thing yeah i mean and we see this a lot in other countries as well completely I mean, the, the, the u.s is a, a bit more independent with our adulthood and you know where it is that we choose to live but i you know you're talking about the adult men 
men <laughs> who live uh, who who seem to be living more at home. I did not say men, but I think you're right. Well, a lot of it is the men, a, right? Oh, I thought you did. Uh, but there's a stat that nearly four in ten men, ages uh, 25 to 29, that they live with a relative. Again, this is not a bad thing if that's what you want. Uh, but my guess is that you know many would actually rather have their own place, especially within that you know that demographic. And interestingly enough, way more folks say that multi generational living is convenient and rewarding uh, as opposed to those who say it's stressful. So, you know, while creating more density and building more ADUs is definitely one way to help with the housing problem, moving in with uh, maybe a family member, that could be another way for at least some folks out there to lower their housing costs while also, you know, simultaneously, hopefully deepening some family relationships. I'd like to think that it's, I don't think it's a binary emotion or feeling that you might feel where it's just like, you know, it's stressful and it's joyful. It, it used to be stressful, but now it's rewarding yeah. or it's one or the other. I'm guessing it's, it's both, right? Like that's what life is. That's what it is to be human is to kind of hold both of those at the same time. It's like, this is stressful. It's very stressful, but it's also very rewarding. Uh, but I think for a lot of families, I'm sure once you get past some of those initial like, what does life look like as a family unit for us to all be living under the same roof? Once you kind of get past those hurdles, I'm guessing some of the rewards kind of kick in at that point. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. Let's uh, talk about work flexibility here for a second, Matt. We will get to those radical sabbaticals here in just a second. <laughs> Your favorite new phrase. Well, uh, job openings are still close to record highs, and there are roughly two job openings for every one person who is unemployed looking for work. This is good news if you're a job hunter um, where you have kind of your pick of the litter. And um, yeah, basically, it's just easier than normal to find a better job or just another job if you want one. But in the midst of this, another tact that people are, are taking is to quit their current job and then to get hired back by the same employer, but this time as a contractor. Yeah. Yeah, and and you, you might ask yourself the question, why why in the world would anybody want to do this? Like, don't you want that steady paycheck knowing how much you're going to get paid every two weeks? Right. And yeah, don't you want the security of knowing that you're a traditional employee? Overrated, and baby. There's health insurance, you know, to <laughs> to go alongside it. Well, here's the thing, it can be more lucrative and you get to have more control over your time as a contractor. And so, yeah, if you're in an industry that allows you to do this, this can actually make you more money uh, mm-hmm. freelancing while also getting bigger chunks of time away from work altogether completely. And so, yeah, it's it's not always a seamless transition, but contract work can make sense for a lot of folks, especially if you can get health insurance through your partner. If your partner is traditionally employed, but your job makes sense as a contractor, you might be able to make more money and have like extra weeks off every single year in between projects. And so it seems like a lot of people are kind of happier with, with this sort of arrangement. And so if your employer would let you kind of pursue that route, um, you know, it might make sense. It might be worth looking into. That's right. You may not have dental anymore, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at least you'll have some health coverage. That's right. See, if you're uh, an entrepreneur, it helps if you embrace the fact that you uh, don't necessarily see the dentist all that often. <laughs> you can still get a cash rate and go once a year and like, you know, pay 200 bucks for that cleaning or whatever. I think a lot of folks are like, this explains so much. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think what you're saying here, though, is that there are more options available to, you know, to folks. And how it is that we think about work is so important because, you know, work, it's it's a necessity of life, but it isn't life itself. And, you know, that flexibility can be clutch for so many individuals and families. Uh, on the note of flexibility, sabbaticals, we finally got into it. Uh, they're kind of the, the new hot employee perk that, that is being offered these days. So hot right now. Uh, and so if you decide to stick with traditional employment instead of contract work, there's a higher chance that your employer is going to offer some sort of extended time away. It, it's good to note, though, that these sabbaticals, they're not always paid. 
but they are getting more and more popular. Roughly one in 10 employers that uh, currently offers any sort of sabbatical opportunity, uh, but only one in 20 will actually pay for that chunk of time off. Obviously, if they do, that, that makes this perk uh, way more attractive. Uh, but I think we're going to see you know some more companies offering sabbaticals, different opportunities like this to employees who've been around for a while in order to keep them around for the long haul and in order to keep them from getting burnt out. I think this is a great perk because it can just be a, a mental game changer for folks to be able to step away from work, uh, allow them to recharge and sort of re-enter the workforce with uh, a renewed sense of purpose as well as some additional energy as yeah, well. I agree, man. A big chunk of time off, minimum of two weeks, but something more like two months can be a game changer in kind of helping you come back refreshed, energized, especially if you've been at a, in a particular role or at a specific workplace for a decade or more. It's like that can be just a, a huge relief to get a big chunk of time off. Yeah. And it's rare, but it's becoming less rare, which is great. I, th- I mean, honestly, I think like it sounds ridiculous, right? To say, oh, okay, multiple months off. But the thing is, if folks always like they tend to take fewer days off than what it states that they can, yeah. right? And oh, so, yeah. like, if Americans like, do not use the majority of their vacation exactly. Time, yeah. And so, if it's like, okay, you can take three weeks off over the course of this year or something like that, you might take off like two weeks. And so, I think for a and lot, you of might f- take two one week vacations, and it's proven that just getting away for one week, right? You, you your your brain barely registers that you had a vacation. You yeah. almost need two weeks in order to feel like you fully got away. Yeah. And so, I guess I wonder, like, it's like maybe they will offer three months, but in reality, maybe that will actually translate to like six weeks away. Yeah. You know, like I, f- I feel like they're just kind of overshooting knowing that folks won't necessarily take it, but it's still a, a good direction for employers to be moving in. Yeah. I feel like we're, uh, this is like more of the Australian mentality. Cause like if you ever travel and you meet Australians, it's like, well, when do you got to go back to work? And they're like four months from now, dude. And you're like, oh my goodness, you guys <laughs> well, are well, impressive. I quit and I'll be moving back, you know, we'll see how much of the money lasts. It really is amazing. Their, yeah. their culture. But, uh, and, and Matt, that's something we've tried to foster here. We haven't necessarily been able to take any sort of sabbatical, but you know, we also haven't been at it for a decade. But work flexibility is something that that we want more of, or that we want more people to have. And you know, you and I, we take chunks of time off around the summer and holidays. We work half days on Fridays. And so, yeah, yeah I feel like th- these are the kind of things that, especially people own their own business, it can feel like you're tied to it, but you have to force yourself <laughs> to take those mm-hmm. times away. And yeah, instead of going all or nothing, by the way, there's another story that like you're working just part time as people near retirement, that that's becoming more popular too. And I think this is just the best thing ever. I think if you're in your mid to late 60s and you're like, do I retire all the way? Do I quit altogether? There's such, there's this beautiful potential to work just part time as, as you're, you know, for a few years winding down and, yeah, like studies show that working even just a little bit can be good for mental, physical, and social health in addition to the little boost that it can be to your finances and just making that transition a little bit easier in every single one of those realms. And um, yeah, this, uh, this Wall Street Journal article, it basically said that the number of companies offering part-time work for their older workers has doubled in recent years, which nice. I, I think is a great sign. So yeah. while hopefully more people in the middle stages of their career are able to take bigger chunks of time off and then working a little bit later, but just part time, like work flexibility is a good thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's something we should all want more of. It's a trend that we kind of hope continues to accelerate. Yeah, and especially as more folks might be gaining uh, more of a sense of financial freedom in, our, in, in their lives. Uh, and I say this, a little Freudian slip, because I said we, because back when, I can't remember what episode number this was, but w- when we were talking about financial independence, we like we talked about how we are essentially entering into this coast fire stage in our own lives. And like in my mind, the most beautiful picture of what it looks like to work is to have something that is sustainable. 
I guess in the stage of life that we're in, like I've got a two year old. And so it, it seems difficult to picture like traveling the world or <laughs> the country for like weeks or months at a time. Like it for us, it sounds stressful for us right now, having like a home base and having a routine and nap time, like all that's very important. Uh, and so in my mind, having something that is just sustainable week to week uh, and you have that ability as you've made wise decisions with your finances over you know, years and even decades to put you in that type of position. But I, I guess I just wanted to mention that because it makes me think more about like that kind of coast fire lifestyle where you can start making those decisions to say, I'm going to work a little bit less. I'm not retiring. I still really gain a lot of satisfaction from my work. I still like people. I still like helping out in this way. I just want to be able to dedicate more time to the family or to the kids or to my physical health, different things that we might start to prioritize as we get older. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing about Every single one of those stories, how they loop together, more people doing contract work, more people working part-time, more people taking sabbaticals. It's like all of those things equal work flexibility. That's what people want more of, mm-hmm. understandably so. And so I think, yeah, it, working to achieve more work flexibility in your life so you can achieve more of the things you want to achieve personally, you know, socially, <laughs> yeah. familially, like th- mm-hmm. those are good things to do. It's not all about the Benjamins. So, uh, all right, we got more uh, stories that we want to get to in just a little bit, including one story about how couples handle their money. And there is a specific method that the most successful couples use. We'll get to that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. We are continuing our Friday flights. Uh, these are the different headlines we've come across this week and how they apply to our money. And Joel, it's now time for the ludicrous headline of the week. And this one comes from CNBC. It's about false advertising. The headline reads, FTC sues TurboTax owner Intuit for advertising tax software as, quote unquote, free. So, uh, spoiler alert, it's tough to actually get free tax filing services from TurboTax. You don't need to read this article. I think you need like a a crowbar (laughs) in order to get it. Just letting you know. uh, The FTC, they called TurboTax's offer a bogus bait and switch because most folks actually end up paying something even when they opted for the free version of TurboTax's software. And that's often, you know, a result of slightly more complex uh, scenarios that TurboTax doesn't include in their free return uh, within the free version that they offer. But the thing is, users often don't know that until they're further along in the process uh, and then they are prompted to pay. And right? like, dang it. It's like, it's like the opportunity cost. You're like, I've already spent... Or sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah they basically, they've, they've invested spent two all, hours all of this time. <laughs> my life. They're committed. They see their name on there. They're like, well, this is this is my return right here. I see it. As I, opposed to just being like, oh, forget this. I guess I'll fork over the $45 yep. because I have to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. TurboTax, I mean, they're they're great at marketing the free version. Uh, and, you know, and they might actually have a solid product that they're offering but there's just a good chance that you're going to have to actually pay for their software. It's their bread and butter. I don't have a problem with the the actual software. I think, I the think bait, it's really good, actually. Yeah, it's, it's the bait and switch part of it that, you know, obviously feels slimy. It's what the FTC is going after. Uh, they just need to be more transparent. I think even if they had on their site or even within the software when you started filing your return, if they just had like a counter, mm-hmm. right, that said that, hey, so far this year, this number of people have been able to file a free return versus this number of people who had to pay, right? Because if you went on there and you saw that like, okay, 1 million people filed for free, 29 million had to pay, it's like, oh, shoot, I'm probably going to have to pay. Or even just a just quick transparency. Five is multiple choice questions to be like, hey, or do you mm. fit in this, 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 or this category? And like, great, guess what? You do qualify for yeah. the free. Or you know what? Sorry, you're going to have to choose this product. But when you have to go you know, halfway through the, the process of filing your taxes before you realize it, 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 you are going to probably continue and just pay even though you're angry about it. Exactly. And, yep. and you know, the TurboTax has been, been fighting against the IRS free file system for years and they left the service altogether last year. And so, yeah, what we would suggest is, is that if you want actual free tax filing software, go directly to the IRS's free file website 
or to Cash App Taxes. Those are those are two great places to go if you want to not pay a dime for uh, for the ability to file your taxes. And and by the way, if you type in IRS free file in Google, make sure to skip past the ads because uh, that'll actually take you to another site. If you click the the ad, there's a there's another um, tax filing software that's trying to mimic the IRS free file right, website. Yep. It's a little it's a, it's a little misleading. So instead, you, know you can go directly by the way to IRS.gov/freefile. That's right. Yeah. What's funny is that I try to replicate that within Safari on my computer. Computer and I couldn't. Oh, but I know that you use Chrome because uh, you mentioned that uh, earlier while we were sort of prepping for this episode. And when I searched within Chrome, it did pull up, but it didn't for some reason within Safari. So I don't mm. know what the deal is there. Maybe somebody can write in and let us know some of the differences in security, maybe between Safari and Chrome. Who knows? Joel, let's let's get to that uh, that couples and money story that you mentioned because like we know that folks kind of come down on different sides of the how couples should handle their money discussion. But a recent study from some professors at Cornell shows that couples who combine their finances actually have healthier relationships. They're less likely to break up. Uh, and the crux of their findings reveals that uh, it's the team-like nature fostered in a relationship by combining money instead of keeping things separate. That was specifically evidenced by the fact that couples uh, who kept their money more separate from one another, they were more likely to use terms and re- refer to those funds as like my money instead of our money. And just the simple act of combining, it leads to just more money talks and conversations to greater transparency. I mean, just think about any team that you've ever been a part of. If it's all I, 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 <laughs> rather than like we, uh, you're, you're probably not going to do as well of a job working together. True. And the study also notes that the benefits are strongest among lower income families as well, which is, yeah, I found interesting. But I know this isn't how every couple out there handles their money together. Um, I think it's, it's probably far from it. But it's worth mentioning, this is something that w- our family does we do combine money in both our family and your your family as well Joel. our families do not combine money but yeah. correct <laughs> <laughs> but we have like yeah a bank account that we that all of our funds go into and all of our funds go out of and so it is it is one of those things where that suits our families best and from at least this study it seems like it suits a lot of families best and doesn't solve all the problems no so if you feel like in your relationship maybe things are a little more competitive or they feel too separate and you don't feel like you're a team because of the separate accounts like maybe this is the solution Again, I know it doesn't work for everyone. It works well for us, and apparently from the study, lots of other people too. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, next story, Matt. This one I'm going to call 24-7 Stonks. And uh, it's because... (laughs) It's pronounced Stonk Market. Stonks. Makes me think of... So Pete Davidson, it was like a skit on SNL, and I can't not hear Stonks without picturing his face (laughs) (laughs) saying, Stonk Market. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Really, the the stock market is getting closer to being sort of like this 24-7 thing. Robinhood actually just announced that now people on their platform can buy and sell their stonks from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. Yeah, typically the stock market opens at 9.30 in the morning and shuts down at 4 p.m. But you know what? That's old old school. And, you know, the, who who needs time off from trading their stocks? <laughs> and Robinhood wants to change all that. And other large trading firms already offer this supposed perk of additional trading hours to their clients. So why would we be upset about this? Well, here's the thing. Like, what, what benefit does being able to trade stocks for more hours of the day really give people? And, in, you know, it, it, is the fact that casinos never close, is that a good thing? Uh, are, we, are we more informed because we have eight? 24-7 news channels that now exist. I would argue that neither of those things are actually all that helpful. And and so, yeah, th- this ultimately just creates a greater obsession with something that most of us should be paying less attention to anyway, especially if you buy into the how-to-money way of investing, which is like, 
basic and boring, um, then really, what sort of need do you have to trade stocks like at all hours of the day? So I think this is only going to feed more trading frenzy. I don't think it's a good thing. That's right. I mean, the, the, so the argument goes that, well, there are people who work from nine to five and they don't have the ability, they don't have the time to actually make their trades and invest for their retirement, which is totally a straw man <laughs> argument. Like, I mean, first of all, like you said, if you subscribe to how it is that we believe you should be trading, like this is something you don't need to do this every single day. <laughs> it's, it's not even something you, you need to automate do those transactions every single week, once a month. Sure. Exactly. Like, I mean, hopefully you've got it automated and you don't have to worry about it at all. But even if you do need to do it manually, maybe it's something you do maybe once a month, like more likely maybe once a quarter. And I'm pretty sure you can find the time to step away from your work. Like, I don't know, maybe during a bathroom break or maybe during lunch <laughs> where you can actually make those trades happen. Uh, but yeah, like that's just one of the things one of the Robin Hood executives said where they're just like, oh, yeah, but this is this is what we're hearing from people this is to help people. Yeah, well, cause of course, the PR slant has to be to the benefit of everyone. Yeah. That's why we're doing sure. this. But really, <laughs> it's to get people uh, it's to draw your attention more away from other things that matter more into the Robin Hood app so that you're doing more buying and selling, which because makes them more it, money. It makes them like money. that's the, the trading volume has gone down. And that's what basically where they're trying to what they're trying to remedy when in fact like aftermarket trading like it's actually not as good for the actual investor because the way it works like there's fewer folks on there making those trades right which means you're going to see wilder fluctuations in the market because it is not an accurate representation of what someone is willing to buy and sell for and so it's actually not in the best interest of the investor from from a behavioral standpoint but even from a price accuracy standpoint yeah. as well it's not representative of uh, of a healthy market yeah i agree all right well so the the opposite of trading matt is of course investing that is what we're all about we we don't want you on the apps 24 7 like trading your stuff, we would prefer for you to do it. Put it on automation, do it inside of your tax advantage accounts. And there's actually some some new legislation that just passed the House that should provide more help to folks who do take the bland investing route that we advocate. Mm -hmm. And this is not officially law yet, but hopefully it will be soon. Um, and so let's discuss quickly what's in this bill. First, raising the age when folks need to take RMDs which are required minimum distributions. Something we don't talk much about because obviously it's for an older audience. Right. RMDs are basically when you hit a certain age, it's like you're forced to start taking money out of your retirement account mm -hmm. because the government, they want the taxes <laughs> from that money. And so I'm just saying uh, by the time we hit 70 years old, I bet we will talk more about <laughs> RMDs. <laughs> well, you remember when we when we had Ron Lieber on the show, we talked to him and he's like, what I write about has com has completely changed yeah. <laughs> as I've gotten older and I'm dealing with different scenarios. And I think the same will be true of us. Exactly. But yeah, RMDs would uh, start to gradually phase up from 70 and a half to age 75. That would happen over a number of years. Another thing in this bill is it would allow older investors to put more money in their workplace retirement account each year. Um, and, and, and also, the bill seeks to make auto enrollment mandatory. And it also gives employers the ability to give you a cash bonus when you get, begin participating, which Pretty kind of sweet. just increases the likelihood that you're going to. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, this bill gives employers flexibility to help pay student loan bills when an employee isn't able to take full advantage of the company match. So all in all, a bunch of cool stuff in this bill. I, I kind of think it's a win-win-win. And actually, there's other stuff in the bill too. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> not even all of it. Yeah, yeah, like those are the kind of the highlights that we thought were important. But like, there is so much more that they're trying to accomplish within that bill. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're trying to accomplish a lot of good things. Because first, I mean, let's talk about the RMDs, the required minimum distributions. A lot of folks are working longer because they're still in good health, and those RMDs can just be a pain in the butt <laughs> if you are still working. Like, I don't want to take these out. I don't want to you know face that ta that tax hit at that time. As we're living longer, working longer. It just makes sense that those should 
be pushed back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those contribution caps, those can be particularly harmful to folks who got started investing later on in life, you know, and they, they might need more of an ability to catch up. It makes sense. Uh, incentives, they, they just play such a major role in why we do what we do. And so, you know, whether it's incentivizing younger folks to get started investing, older Americans to sock away more, like these are all great things in our book. And so, yeah, hopefully we'll see this pass and hopefully we will have some good news to share uh, once this actually becomes law. And by the way, we're actually going to talk more about single stock investing. Stonks. Uh, <laughs> we can't say, we're, we're not going to say stonks at all uh, during that episode. Uh, but we're, uh, we're going to have that episode for you uh, next week, next Wednesday here on the show. You can look forward to that. Yeah, we've had some listener pushback. They're like, Matt and Joel, I don't necessarily agree with your philosophy. So we were like, all right, well, we let's, need let's to talk about it. Tackle this subject exactly. in depth. Yeah. But all right, Matt, we got by that the way, to look forward to. Spring break is next week for our it, kids. It is. Do you have any big plans? No big plans for us. Actually, uh, a bunch of house projects. So we are, there's a number of little things. Spoken it, like a true old man. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. We were planning to go camping with some friends and then we couldn't find any, any camping sites at this particular spot. And you know, life kind of got busy for them. Same with us. There, there There's uh, several things on our plate. So Remember we're like, when we used to be young and fun and do cool stuff? Uh, next year. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> do it next year. This year, uh, there's a, a lot to tackle. But right. what about y'all? So uh, my kids, my girls are going to be in horseback riding camp, which will be super fun. Ooh. On Thursday, I am going to be at the Masters for the first time. Oh, that's right. Back in your old stomping grounds. Uh, yeah. Of Augusta, Georgia. I, I'm excited for you, man. I'm going to take a lot of pictures. We'll post some to the it's How to a, Money Instagram account. It's a very unique thing, experience. Well, I mean, just professional golf in general, I guess, because I haven't been to any other of the majors uh, beside the Masters. But it's just so quiet. You know, like you, like most of the time you think of sports and it's just like and loud and it moisturous. It is until I get there, at least. <laughs> and it's very, very quiet until something awesome happens. And then you'll, you hear just like an eruption of applause, like off in the distance, which is a ton of fun. Cool. Awesome. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a great weekend. We will see you back here on Monday with a fresh Ask HTM episode. So Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.